Good morning, Calvary. How are you? Good morning to our podcast listeners as well. We are so glad you're here. Um, we invited you, as Chris mentioned, to take the six-week challenge to, to give God a chance um, to really cultivate something in your life for six weeks. And I think this is really important as we start this new series because, well, I like what Matt Chandler says. We live in a culture of Christians that seemingly know what we are being saved from, but not what we are being saved to. Let me say it again. We seemingly live in a culture where Christians know what we are being saved from, but not what we are being saved to. This goes back to what we talked about the illustration last week, that our life is a, like a field, and a lot of times we want to come to, to God, and we want to say, pull out our weeds and, and take out our weeds, take out the bad problems, save my marriage, uh, help my kids to be whatever, help me to do this. And we, we pull the weeds out, but we don't ever allow something else to grow and to nurture. So we know that we are being saved from the things that we don't like, but we don't understand that there is a bigger picture of what God really wants to grow and develop in your life. So this next series, it's really uh, guiding us and guarding us to allow the Spirit of the Lord to begin to nurture and to grow, to water the soil of our life so that the other weeds don't come in, but rather something fruitful and beneficial will grow in its place. And the way that begins is with prayer. Prayer, in my opinion, is the most essential daily discipline of faith. Prayer is the most essential daily discipline of faith. Why? Well, because without communication, there is no relationship. So we're going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer. Um, and I memorized the Lord's Prayer in its original language. I memorized it in Greek. And some of you are sitting there going, what good is that? And I would tell you, it was a great pickup line. <laughs> But that's just a joke. I never actually did that. But I was, I, we always talked about, wouldn't it be great? We'd be like, but that Oh, what do you say? Uh, never mind. Uh, you know, that kind of, so, but that, that's really not the point. I actually memorized the Lord's Prayer in, in three different translations. And maybe you've done that too. And, and, and all that's good. But I, I want us to look at the Lord's Prayer and really allow it to develop in our life and understand what it's really about. Now, before we ever get there, let me give you a little background. Uh, Jesus was speaking to his disciples and talking to them about the Lord's Prayer. And, and basically what he's saying to them is, you know the hypocrites? They get up and they pray for a really long time. And, and they say these really uh, fabulous prayers. Have you ever known people like that? Like you sit there and you go, someone's calling on you to pray in a group. And you're like, please don't call me. Please don't call me. Because so-and-so's here. And their prayers always sound so good. Right? I don't want to compare my, well, let me comfort you with the words of Billy Graham. If you, you know who Billy Graham is, uh, the famous, famous preacher, he said this. He said, uh, if you want to uh, pray for three minutes, I'll pray with you. If you're going to pray for six minutes, I'll pray for you. If you're going to pray nine minutes, I'm going to pray against you. And I love that because prayer is not a, a, about the length of prayer you do. Although I think I'm going to balance that out with, you know, in the Bible it talks about um, praying without ceasing and learning the attitude of continual prayer. But it's not about standing up in front of the room and wowing people with how good your prayer is. It's not about one-upping, but rather prayer is connecting with God. And so when he, he sits there and he asks us to pray like this, he says, pray like this, like 
this. He doesn't actually say, when it says Matthew 6, 9, 8, therefore you should pray like this. He doesn't actually say you should pray this prayer. Now hear me, I think there's nothing wrong with us reciting the Lord's Prayer together. If you come from a tradition where they do that, there's nothing wrong with that. But you realize you can say the words and have it mean nothing. It's rather the way you approach God. So when we we start looking at that and we start going, okay, so what is prayer? And prayer has a different idea in our culture, right? Uh, We use the word prayer so flippantly. Uh, Sometimes after a tragedy happens, we'll say something, oh, I'm so sorry, praying for you. Really? Are you really praying for them? Or are you just saying that as like a, hey, I'm sorry? You may pray for them, but a lot of people do say that. We use it as a sports term. This is a famous one, right? In a sports term, it's we're hoping for a desirable outcome that doesn't seem likely, right? We're, we're, we're going on a, uh, uh, we're going to play in this play, and we're going to do this play on a wing and a, which is a nice way of saying we hope this happens, but we don't really think it's going to happen. What a great analogy to talk about prayer, right? We, we hope that our prayers come to fruition, but we don't actually expect them to. Uh, another way that prayer is used is in music terms. You might have been to a Purdue game where you go, you know, we're oh living on a prayer. Sorry, I'm not a worship pastor, but, but don't worry, we are over halfway there. Um, shh. Y'all should really be sorry for my wife. She lives with me. Um, but overarching, the main way that the, the, the society seems to use prayer is this hope that we don't actually think to be real. Like it's this dream that we hope we can attain, but we're not expecting it to happen. So what does the dictionary.com describe prayer as? Dictionary.com describes prayer as a solemn request for help or expression of thanks addressed to God or an object of worship. Now hear me. I like dictionary.com, but that is definitely not a Christian definition of prayer. So let's talk a little bit about, because we have to define prayer in order to, and we're going to start by talking about the way the word prayer is used in the language that's recorded in the Bible New Testament, which is Greek. And so you can find in Greek four different ways that the Greek word for prayer includes. The first one is to ask. The second is to beg. Both of those are kind of the connotations that we're accustomed to. Both of those are we want, therefore we need to get, and therefore we go to church to ask. To, that's the pulling weeds out of the ground mentality. Right? The third way it's used in the Greek, not necessarily always in the Bible, is to make a vow. But the fourth one looks like it grammatically does not fit. It's the word towards. And that's with intention because that's literally what the word means. And that's the word that we find when we find in Matthew 6, 9, B. Um, when we find that you should pray like this, 9A. Therefore, you should pray like this. This means towards. And the reason towards is used here, it is implied that the reader understands that it is communication with God himself. It is implied that we all understand that communication is towards God. Some of you aren't getting it. Little word, big difference. Most of us pray to God. 
not towards God. To God, not towards God. But ultimately, the way that we understand the difference is to God is beseeching, a request, to beg, to ask. And, but the actual word there implies you pray towards God, which is a, a posture. It is an attitude. It is the, the realization that it's not necessarily what you say. It's the, the posture of the heart that comes into the presence of what God wants to do in your life and gives control of your life to God, allowing him to do something fabulous, far greater than you could ever imagine. Now, the prosperity gospel has it all wrong. The prosperity gospel that the world teaches you is follow God, pray to God, and he will give you everything you want, right? The perfect spouse, the Lamborghini, if you will, right? The NBA contract. How's that working for you? That's not right. That's praying to God. But the prosperity of following God and praying towards God allows him to pull out the, the, the muck of your life, recognizing the posture of what you should be and allowing something fruitful to grow in you and thus prosper in your life. But it doesn't look like what you want it to look like. It looks like what God intended it to be. Therefore, here's the key idea of what prayer is. Prayer is not about you. It's about connecting with God who made you. Don't know how to do this? Well, good. We're going to cover this the next five weeks. And it starts with Matthew 6, 9b. 9b being the second half of the verse. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Our Father in heaven. Our, our Father is in heaven. So why do we pray when we pray? Do we pray Father in heaven? Well, God is one, but he's in three forms. There's all kind of analogies, but the analogies all break down at some level, like, you know, water can be in three forms. It breaks down because God is all three at once. Okay? And when God the Father is in heaven, the way that we practice, the reason that we address our Father is in heaven is because prayer should be directed to the Father, according to the Trinity. But when we pray, we pray as the Holy Spirit, another part of the Trinity, as our guide, Romans 8, 26. But we pray in the power of the name of Jesus, John 15, 16, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So the way that prayer works is this. You beseech what the will of the Father is, we're going to talk more about that next week, by coming and allowing and nurturing and allowing, wait for it, the Holy Spirit, God's presence himself to dwell within you, to nurture and grow in understanding of what he desires for you to do in your life. And as the Holy Spirit begins to grow and to blossom, that's when you no longer have the weeds. That's when you find the fruits of the Holy Spirit, peace, love, joy, kindness, gentleness. The reason it's called fruits is this is what has to grow. Peace, love, joy, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Does that sound good? So you have to allow that to grow in you. And the way that allows it to grow in you is we pray in the power of the name of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus came, the Easter story from last week, and he came and he lived a perfect life because we were separated. We were stuck in our dirty fields, in the muck and the mire, with no hope of anything growing. And the weeds were starting to take over and everything was going on. And there were like, you know, the bad birds circling around looking for dead carcasses to buzzards, right, to, to take up. But the Easter story, 
story came. And it's when Jesus died on a cross for our sins and he was buried, as we symbolize in baptism, which by the way, you get to witness to at the end of the service, buried in baptism and raised to new life. It says we no longer have the weeds in our life, but God's going to grow something new. I'm a new creation. And this new creation only comes by my relationship that I have through the blood of what Jesus did. Amen. I'm excited about that because the power of what Jesus did through the cross is still alive today. Now, some of you got the memo. Some of you didn't, right? Well, actually, you all did because you're here. That Easter wasn't just last Sunday. In fact, you're on another Easter Sunday. Why? Because the tomb is still empty. The tomb is still empty, right? God is alive. Jesus is still alive. Therefore, his hope is still alive. His resurrection is still alive in me. And God is not done in the resurrecting business. He is still bringing life out of death in the lives of people who recognize the power of what he did through the cross. This is why we pray, listening to the Holy Spirit through the power of the name of Jesus directed to the Father. You got it? Who is in heaven. Now, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. I grew up memorizing it in King James, right? Hallowed be thy name. Now, when I was a little kid, I thought the word hallowed meant hollow, which that's the complete opposite. Hollow is your name. That's, not a, that's very bad theology. And so I'm actually glad that this is translated hallowed, uh, is translated your name be honored as holy. Okay? It's the place where we recognize that God, well, we should be in awe, like we talked about last week, of him. In awe of him, honoring God as holy, as recognizing him for who he is, and gains us a proper perspective of our relationship with him. Since the prayer that Jesus asked to look to means towards instead of to. It means that we have to understand that we have an obligation in our posture of our heart, our mind, and yes, our words and our deeds. To recognize that our posture is very, very important to really having a proper prayer life. Let's break this down by looking at Ecclesiastes 5, 1 and 2. Now in this passage, he's talking about when you approach God in the temple. Well, since Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn. Some of you will make sense. Some of you may not get this, but listen to the, the main point at the end. The veil was torn, which means now that the temple is not a location, but the temple is wherever God dwells. And if you have a relationship with God, then the Holy Spirit, who is God, can dwell and lives within you. Therefore, your body is a temple. Your body is not a temple for an Instagram selfie pose of your muscles. Stop doing that, by the way. I love you. Your body is a temple because of the glory of God dwelling within you. You got it? And so when the Holy Spirit dwells within you, here's what it says. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Better to approach in obedience than to offer the sacrifices fools do, for they ignorantly do wrong. Do not be hasty to speak. Remember the three minutes, six minutes, nine minutes? And do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. 
Now remember, we, we talked about the Bible says pray without ceasing. The attitude of prayer goes with us all the time. So I really don't think that let your words be few here is implying the numeric value of how many words you should say. Some of you are like, because I talk a lot, right? But rather, what it's describing here is let your words be few is the posture of recognizing who God is. Have you ever noticed we live in a very God-friendly world? And what I mean by the God-friendly world is we come around a place where people think God will forgive you, God is good, and God is good. But a lot of times people sit there and they go, I'm going to stab myself and I'm going to pray God heals me. <laughs> God may heal you from your stab wound, right? You may not die, but guess what you're still going to have is a scar. And I look around all the time and I see Christians going around stabbing themselves in this mentality of, you know what, I really don't think this is good for me, but I want to do it. And because I want to do it, I'm going to do it. And then I know that God is going to love me forever and he will forgive me when I repent. The problem with that is before God can allow you to be forgiven through the repentance of that actual sin, you have to first ask for repentance for the attitude of I can do what I want and ask for repentance later. Did you get that? You can't sit there and go, God, I'm about to stab myself or I'm about to stab my spouse and I hope that you'll forgive me later. He may forgive you, but you have the horrible attitude of sitting there going, you got to repent from that first. And by the way, the scars still remain, right? God will still forgive you when you truly repent. That is absolutely always true. When you really understand repentance is turning from the way that you want to be and following God and doing whatever he asks you to do, God will not forgive you when you sit there and you go, well, I wanted to do it, nanny, nanny, boo-boo. It doesn't work that way. And by the way, when you are healed, it doesn't mean the scars go away. You want any proof? Go murder someone. Actually, don't. That's facetious. Go murder someone, right? And stand before the judge and say, but Jesus forgave me. He goes, right, go to jail. Do not go past, go. No $200 for you. And the reality is, I just sometimes want to look in my own life and scream in the mirror. And I want to sometimes remind us all. And we want to say, stop doing what you know is wrong and is going to hurt you because you think God will forgive you later. You're damaging everything. And that's why the, the prayer, the Lord's prayer begins with honor God as holy. Because holiness is everything that is good and right in this world. God can do no wrong. So when you're honoring God as holy, you're recognizing God is in heaven and you are on earth, which means that you are separated from his holiness. You are drawn to his holiness. And what really needs to grow and blossom in your life is the character and the nature of God himself. What needs to really grow in the muck and the mire of our life is not the weeds, but the very presence of the Holy Spirit. And as that begins to indwell in you, you get to sit there and go, God is moving. God is growing in my life. Have you ever wanted to go up to somebody and knock them on the back of the head, right? Don't do that. That kind of hurts. You don't want to do that, but, but sometimes what you really want is you want the power of the Holy Spirit to grow. It's not about, holiness is less of an action. The action is the effect. The cause is the attitude. To honor God 
requires we have the right posture. To honor him as holy requires us to have the right posture. To have the right posture means we need to prepare. And to prepare means we are ready to acknowledge God for who he is. Are you ready to recognize that God is what is best for your life? That God is the one who really knows what's best for your life, not you? Then you're ready to understand prayer. When we understand who God is, we will want to connect with him. We will want to listen. And we will want to obey. You see, where we fall short in giving God the glory and honor he deserves, where we fall short in honoring his name is holy, is that we don't approach him to listen. We approach him to talk. We approach him to prayer is to, not towards. But when prayer is towards, it requires us to listen. Listen to this quote. Let's see what I did there. Most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. In other words, when you get in a conversation with your spouse, you're sitting there and they're starting to bother you. That does happen to you all, right? It's not just me. And you're sitting there going, boy, I can't wait for them to be quiet so I can put them. I've got a great zinger coming right back at you, right? You quit listening. And what you did is you, you, you just weren't ready to reply. How often do we do that with our relationship with God? God, I want. God, I need. God, help me. God, do. Now hear me. God wants you to prosper, but not in the prosperity gospel, which is a false gospel kind of way. God wants you to prosper in your relationship with him. And the way that we understand that is to listen with intentionality. In other words, most of us don't take the time to listen. We don't have a conversation for the purpose of hearing what the other person has to say. We have a conversation to manipulate them to get what we want. We listen with the intention of self-glorification, which is exactly the opposite of honoring God as holy. So listen to this quote, which actually isn't a quote from a Christian kind of doctrine. It says this, listening with intent isn't a technique. It's a personal value backed by behaviors that cause us to shift from the movie about ourselves running in our minds to focusing on the movie or picture being created by another. I love that. Most of us listen, right, with the intent of narrating and seeing how this conversation fits into the movie of the way Daniel Berry sees the narration of his life play falling out. Here's the problem. You didn't write the script. You get it? I didn't write the script. And we approach God as if we were sitting there going, God, here's how the narration of the movie of my life should play out. 
and you're God in heaven, but I want it to go the way I want it to go. And in doing so, we missed out on the way that we are best going to find the peace, the joy, the kind. We're missing out on the way God wants to move and work in our life. But by recognizing him as the master author, by recognizing him as the master person who put together the narration of our life, by coming to the place where we're willing to say, God, this is your story that I'm living out for the glory of your name, that's when we find him. So let's listen to this quote again, but, but listen to the way I changed the ending. Listening with the intent isn't a technique. It's a personal value backed by behaviors that cause us to shift from the movie about ourselves running in our own minds to focusing on the movie or picture that was created by our creator. This is how you honor God as holy. So how can we pray unless we value our behavior as a life that ultimately brings him glory because the way that we honor him in glory people say this all the time the way that we honor god through hallowed be thy name by making him as holy is through praise praise is the action that results of a life that is lived out to the glory of god by listening to what the creator wants us to do so the praise coming out of your mouth can be just like reciting the Lord's Prayer with no heart, no feeling. You can use it as a pickup line. and It will have the same value unless your heart reflects the reality that you recognize that God is in heaven and I am here. I need to listen and I need to discern what he wants me to do. And in doing so, I will follow him. And it comes from a principle. It comes from believing it and making it a behavior. It's a personal value that we will not let go of. So how do we listen in our prayers? Daniel, you didn't really come back the next four weeks. Dum, dum, dum. Some of you have seen 14 movies in the last two weeks to go see them. You can come back next week. You know what I'm saying? It is the true Marvel story. And I'm just going to go on and keep going. It didn't happen. Okay. Um, Monday morning application. <laughs> I've got the slide people all messed up because I'm doing probably. Okay. Um, uh, Y'all are doing a great job, by the way. Honor God and listen. Drawing close to him through the 30 days of prayer. And the prayer on the eighth challenge. So what we want you to do this, this next 30 days, starting May 1st, we're going to have a 30 days of prayer. You can find it at yourcalvary.info slash pray. You can follow the staff on Instagram or Facebook, those of us who are on it, and we are going to post those. But we want you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, to understand that this is where it starts by following God, by slowing down. And I want you to read those prayers that are on this. There, it takes like five minutes. Read it once for your information. Read it second time to really let it soak in. And then the third time, we want you to pray it. Simple. And they're going to teach you things about the character of God through prayer. They're going to teach you things about the holiness of God. Because in order to let his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in order for us to have the prayer where we can say, give us today our daily bread, we have to first honor God as holy. So we're asking you to pray 8 a.m., 8 p.m. on the 8th with everybody else in the church. We're asking you to go to this page and pray. And as a church, we're going to try to glean, not just pulling out the, the weeds of our lives, but allowing the Holy Spirit to grow in us through our prayer life, communicating to God in the power of what Jesus did on the cross to the glory of our Father, honoring Him as holy. And the place that, that begins, if you have a relationship with Jesus, is where it starts. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to realize Jesus died for you. What He did on the cross is still true today. 
the tomb is still empty. Easter is still here. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's where it begins to honor him as holy. And we'd like you to go by out there and talk to one of our first impressions people out there and, and just say, hey, I want to know Jesus. And they would love to share with you. We had several do that in the past. Um, we have people being baptized today. It's a testimony of what God has done in their life. We want that to continue to grow in your life. But as a church, let's go in the power of what Jesus wants to do. Seeking after him. So simple. This week, honor him as holy by drawing into his character of who he is. Take the 30-day prayer challenge. It'll be everywhere you can possibly find it. We even have some printed copies out there if you need that. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our life. Teach us what it means to honor you as holy. God, over this next series, we pray that we learn how to make your name be known. To find your will. We pray for provision and all those things too. But God, first and foremost, may we come before you, giving you the glory. For you are in us. In your name we pray. Amen.